This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Welcome everybody to a new episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am so excited to have my guest Rachel Peavy on with us today. She is a money coach and mentor and the founder of Blissful Budget. And I can't wait to hear all about money and mindset and spirituality and soulpreneurship and and all the exciting things we're going to talk about. So welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Yes, me too. And we have a few different people in common. Mm-hmm. I love the way that the network of connection just works in our community and so many other communities. So this is super exciting for me to actually be talking to you live. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love that our whole like Atlanta intuitive community is very connected and you're only a couple degrees from somebody else. And it's been fun to meet folks. I started out in the yoga world. And so then sort of like meeting people through the yoga world. And then I've done a lot of different intuitive workshops and meeting people through that. So it's been, I love the community that we have here. Yes, I know. We're so, we're so fortunate. And one of the reasons that I felt called to start this podcast was because I was feeling so grateful to have these connections and conversations. And truthfully, I would say even two or three years ago, I was not in a place where I felt that kind of community support. And so I really intentionally worked my manifestation and calling it in. And when it started to appear, the gratitude that I felt for having this just intimate support and level of connection it was just like, okay, I've got to be able to share this with other people who are in other places who don't have this, who crave this, who are seeking this, but don't have this level of community. So I'd love if you could chat a little bit about who you are, your background, how you got started. Cause as you mentioned, you've done yoga, you've done intuitive, you're doing financial stuff, which is all super interesting, maybe different, maybe the same. Definitely. My background, I started out in the corporate world doing public relations and I still do PR. I'm a consultant and I sort of do that right now on the side as well as run Blissful Budget. And really my approach with Blissful Budget is sort of similar to your approach, like woo and and work. Like this is really I approach money as like, yes, there's the practical side of things. There's knowing how to put together a budget and knowing how much is coming in and what's coming out and the numbers. But then also with money, there's so much more about mindset and then about the stories that we tell ourselves around money and really that like relationship that we have with money, which I feel like 
is a very, it doesn't feel intuitive for everybody, but I think we can get a lot from tapping into our intuition when we're working with money. And so I really like to combine the two and, you know, not coming from the traditional financial background, but, but being a person living in a human living in the world right. and, and having to manage, I have two businesses, so I have to manage the financials of that. Plus I'm kind of the chief financial officer of our home. So, you know, it was, I've always really liked doing kind of the financial side of things, but I really wanted to bring in more of like my intuitive side to it and really delve into some of the money stories that I had. And then, you know, talking to a lot of my friends who are entrepreneurs as well, realizing that a lot of us had some of the same stories around money and also some of the same struggles with money really led me to to create blissful budget, which was sort of created out of out of me sitting in my office in corporate America feeling really unfulfilled. And I had a good job and I liked the people I worked with. I made really good money, but I was the nine to five lifestyle just wasn't working for me anymore. I didn't have kids yet, but we had been trying to start a family for several years and dealt with a lot of infertility issues. That looking back, I think was really stress related because once I did kind of make the leap from corporate America and, and I started Blissful Budget, but also started just doing PR freelancing and consulting so I could have my own time and make my own hours. And three months after I left, I got pregnant. <laughs> so I feel oh, like, wow. you know, I feel like there, there was definitely something energetically going on that I just, I needed that big life shift. So, so yeah, I kind of, I went down the traditional path for a long time of college and got a job and climbed the ladder and all of that. And it just wasn't serving me anymore. So that's when I decided to make the leap. I also did teacher training while I was still working in corporate America. I did a yoga teacher training, which just totally changed my life. And I think that was really the catalyst for me really looking seriously at leaving because I think it's easy to feel stuck too when you're in a corporate job but I always had the like thing nibbling at me like there's more you should be doing and there's more you can be doing with yeah. your life oh definitely I have felt I have felt that nibbling basically my entire life so I totally get that there's so much that you talked about that I want to follow up on so you did the teacher training, but not really with the intention of teaching more with the intention of learning. Is that, is that right? Yeah. I went into yoga teacher training cause I've, I've been doing yoga, uh, pract practicing yoga since mm -hmm. I was 16. And so, you know, I wanted to dive in a little bit deeper as a student and learn more about some of the yoga philosophy. And I didn't, I think I always had the thought in my head that I'd like to teach, but really I took the training more just to dive a little bit deeper. And I knew, I think I had an idea in my head of what it would be like, and then it ended up being so much more and really mm. looking at kind of like the dark parts of myself and the parts of myself that maybe I had been ignoring and, and putting away. And, and so what sort of happened during this whole process of yoga teacher training was really taking a look at what, what really mattered to me and what 
I felt like society and maybe my upbringing was telling me should matter to me. And so, you know, I, I say, I joke with my friends, like I wish everybody could go through yoga teacher training because I feel like the world would be such a more (laughs) well-adjusted place, but yeah, it really kind of shook things up for me. And I did end up teaching yoga and actually was teaching a couple classes a week, right up until the pandemic over at form yoga indicator. And And then once the pandemic happened, I I took a break because I was also pregnant at the time. Just wanted to be careful. (laughs) Well, I love that you're sharing that experience. And the the reason I wanted to follow up with you on that is because I think so many times we do or don't sign up for the thing because we're thinking so far down the road. And I think it's just such a beautiful example of You don't know what's going to come from an opportunity, but if you're being called to it and you can step into it, you know, financially and also balancing everything else that you have going on in your life, even if you don't know what's going to come of it, maybe it's that you end up doing exactly what you thought, but maybe it just leads to further self-exploration. Maybe it leads to you then feeling more comfortable and making other shifts in your life. You know, it doesn't always have to be this grand, complicated plan. And so I love that you followed your intuition and taking this and then led you to meet all these people, but really was the catalyst for this bigger shift in your life. Yeah, definitely. It's it's interesting because, you know, I think I think sometimes we think like, oh, we're going to have this big lightning flash moment of this is what I should be doing with my life. And sometimes it is just the little signs along the way that are sort of leading us to where we should go. And, you know, I happen to have just like the right amount of money in my bank account to do this teacher training. And I was making all these excuses why I couldn't, but then there were things happening, sort of taking those excuses down and, so, and removing those, you know, obstacles that I thought were in the way. And so I think it's important too, to just pay attention to the signs also, because I really, I believe that, you know, we, we have spirit guides without our showing us the way sometimes. And, and it's up to us to pay attention to those signs or, or ignore them. And sometimes when you ignore them for too long, you end up getting like a big sign or something happens to be like, okay, no, you've got to look at this. You've got to pay attention to this. And that's sort of what happened with me with yoga teacher training. It was like, no, you're supposed to do this. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I know. It's like, how do I learn to follow all the breadcrumbs so that I don't end up walking into the wall that Mm -hmm. gets put in front of me? (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. I love that. So talking about the money thing, it's so synchronous that we are having this conversation because I host a Facebook group with a friend of mine, Vicky, who I also recorded an episode with. And this month we are talking about money and mindset as a theme. And so just starting to uncover some of those stories for myself, not realizing maybe some of the blocks or the struggles or obstacles that I've had with, with money. And so I'm curious how you perceive it or how you've dealt with it in your experience. Is it a combination of society, conditioning, family? Is it something that is 
a lesson that you've signed up to learn in your, in your contract, this iteration of, right. of your life? What do you think? Yeah, I will probably all of the above. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like for me personally, a lot of, you know, my, it's everything. It's my upbringing. It's society. I sort of had the story in my mind and I, I was lucky. I mean, I grew up privileged and I grew up, I went to private school, you know, I never wanted anything growing up, but I also got the message that like, in order to be successful, you have to have, you have to make a lot of money. And so I think that's what sort of set me on that corporate America climb the ladder path was like, okay, I just need to, I need to have a big salary and I, and that's going to make me feel good. And that's going to make me happy and make me successful. And you know, I got the big salary, but I still, had, you know, wasn't a hundred percent happy in my life. I mean, yes, money always makes things a little bit easier for people. Like we can't deny that, but it's not going to bring you happiness. if, like, that's the thing you're looking for happiness in. And, you know, I met a lot of other people with that same idea. I think the other story I had was I have to work my butt off to exhaustion to, earn money. Right. E feeling ease in business, like that was not something I understood at all. So I was working late nights and 90 hours a week and, and all of this stuff. And then, you know, I, I did teacher training and I just hit a wall and I'm like, there has to be something better than this. And is this really what success looks like? I'm working myself to the bone. I'm miserable. I'm having health problems because of it. And, and so I think those stories were just so strong and so prevalent, those two in particular, that they were really guiding my life instead of me taking a look at, okay, what really makes me happy? And mm -hmm. what, you know, what do I want to be doing that will bring me fulfillment? Maybe the money will come, but that not having that be the focus, not having that outcome be the thing that's going to drive my happiness. There's so much wisdom in what you've said, and I feel so much kinship, so much synergy and how you're describing. I definitely have struggled with the same thing, feeling like the financial validation is proof of your value is required for you to feel successful, to feel like a contributing member of society, my family, and definitely subscribe to that same mentality that, that struggle is required for success. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't until I did the deep dive into human design, which talks a lot about finding the ease and being free from resistance and leaning into what comes easiest and naturally. And that, that struggle that you feel, that resistance, that frustration or anger or bitterness are actually all signs that you're out of alignment, that you're not synchronous, that you're not lining up with your soul purpose and mission, and that it doesn't have to be so hard. Mm -hmm. And still, it takes a lot of work to break from those, those values, those, those hooks of conditioning. Mm -hmm. So how, how do you do that? How do you begin to separate yourself as a human, number one, as a soul from 
this idea that success equals financial success. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think always the first step is just noticing what these stories are. And I think it can come in kind of big and little ways. One is just noticing what comes up when you're even doing something like paying your bills or looking at your budget, what stories are coming in, and then also paying attention to the self-talk around money. Do you find that you're getting really stressed out at the end of the month when the bills are due? What kinds of stories are you telling yourself around that? You know, and and also paying attention to how how you feel at work, how you feel really about what you're doing. I mean, there are people who love and thrive on working 90 hour weeks and, you know, being at the office all the time, but are you doing that because you love it or because you feel like this is what I should be doing? So I always say like noticing is that first step because Mm -hmm. we have to make that observation and then we have to sort of dive a little deeper and see, okay, well, how does this make me feel? And where, even like, where in my body am I feeling this? Cause I feel like a lot of where we experience things in the body can also sort of tell us about, you know, what, what is triggering this or what, what does this mean to us? I always feel things in my throat and I have a lot around communication about money and about my needs. It's funny that I'm in this <laughs> doing this now, cause I was always scared to kind of voice things around money mm-hmm. and, and, and talk to my partner about money. And our body is so wise. So paying attention to where the tension comes up within us too, I think is so important. I love that idea. I feel it a lot in my solar plexus, which I guess is my personal power. And then also some ego and, and feelings of self-doubt, right? Totally. I, I have a funny story about that. Funny looking back on it. I was, <laughs> always, right? <laughs> yeah, always. I was having a lot of gastrointestinal stuff and like I was having this squeezing feeling right in my solar plexus and it was awful and it would always be the worst when I was driving to work. And one morning wow. it was so bad I had to pull over and I just called in sick and I went home. And the second I got home, it went away and it was fine. And so I think my body was telling me like, this isn't working anymore. And physically, you know, it's impacting you. And, and I think going back to what we said earlier, like, you've got to follow the signs or you're going to get like a big, (laughs) right. (laughs) You know, I, I ended up getting pancreatitis because I was having a lot of like diagnostic stuff to figure out what was going on with all this pain in the solar plexus and the, the diagnostic test caused it. So it was like, I ended up landed in the hospital for 10 days because oh I wasn't paying attention to my body and I wasn't paying attention to the, the signs I was getting. And, and looking back now, I can see so clearly, like I was not meant to be doing this and I was not meant to be doing this commute every day and going into this job. And, and the second I shifted and started working for myself, I was better. Like I wasn't Mm -hmm. having these issues anymore. So yeah, our bodies are so wise and will tell us so much. First of all, I'm so sorry that that happened to you because anybody that's experienced any kind of trauma or, or chronic pain, especially in those areas, it can be very scary and very uncomfortable. And I'm also super grateful for you sharing that story because 
I have tingles everywhere. I call them my truth tingles. So that means it's like ding, 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 when everything in my body lights up, speaking of body stuff. But I think that so many of us are disconnected from our bodies and we have, I don't know if it's deluded ourselves, we have convinced ourselves that it is not only okay, but really fairly typical to be walking around living in pain, discomfort, hurt in all these different parts of our body. And I completely agree with you that the body is the number one way that our soul, if you want to call it that, communicates to us and through us. That's why we have chosen this physical existence, I think. And so many times we have cut that communication system off. We are sort of like, oh, it's okay that my back hurts. Oh yeah, I have this issue. I have that issue. And I think it's really valuable that you're sharing that because hopefully people listening will maybe take a second look or be willing to dig a little bit deeper into what that body connection is. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we become so disconnected from our bodies in, in Western culture and and like the idea that stress can physically manifest in our body, it makes so much sense, but the medical community doesn't really <laughs> acknowledge that. And, and so I definitely, you know, for me, it was like this mysterious thing that had no scientific explanation. Everything looked fine. If you just looked at me and looked at my scans and everything looked fine and was healthy. And so the doctors were sort of like, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, I think it's, it is important to see, especially if you're having something like that, that's not, not explained by modern medicine is, okay, what else is going on here? And, and I've had so many times since then, not that extreme, but like, okay, my neck's really hurting or my shoulders are hurting. What's going on with me this week? And, and maybe what do I need to pay attention to other than, oh, this is just muscle pain, you know? Right. Because the money thing is really in relationship with other things, right? It's, you think it's about the money, but it's about ego or doubt or fear or your value, your place in the world. Is that how you see it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think rarely is it ever just about the money and with clients I've had, I would say, you know, we always talk about the practical stuff, but most of the time it is fears around leaving a job or starting a business and conditioning that we've had since youth around money and our parents' money stories that are impacting us now. And, and so it's, it's funny because I think we tend to compartmentalize things in this life as like, okay, this is money and this is life and this is my job. And uh, this is my family and it's all so connected and the ways that we're dealing with our money often mirror what how we're relating to something else in our life like if you are really resistant to opening your bills each month what else are you resistant in looking at and and what else are you avoiding so i think it's so intermeshed and and i feel like how we feel about money is often a mirror of how we feel around other things in life as well Definitely. And it's funny because I would say that I'm somebody that has run the gamut in my relationship with money. Growing up, you know, coming from a place of middle class, but 
always feeling a little bit of a money struggle that came from parents being separated. And all of a sudden you go from two incomes together to separate incomes and separate budgets and financial responsibilities. And then always wanting to earn my own money as soon as possible. I was the, you know, the eight-year-old, the 12-year-old that wanted a job, that wanted to feel that independence that came out so strongly. And I think that's what has continued to lead me down this entrepreneurial drive. Someone who definitely felt value when I lived in New York and had a big advertising job and to, to have that number, that goal and, and reach that just was so exciting. And, and I loved what I was doing and it was so validating. And then to come all the way back around to a place where I have tried so hard not to place my value on money on the money that I bring in to the point that I potentially, I'm curious what you think about this. I potentially have pushed money away and made money think that it's not important to me. So I want to shout out to money that I do like you and I do want you. <laughs> I do want you in my life. And I'm fortunate because my husband has a steady traditional job, but you know, the life of an entrepreneur, it does go up and down. And I think it's very challenging to have a, a relationship as a solopreneur. Oh, it's totally, it's a total challenge. And I feel like it's a total constant learning and sitting as a student, choosing this path of, of the solopreneur. You said so much and I'm trying to like figure out what I, what I want to say first. So yes, I mean, we, we all have these stories that we grew up with. And it's funny for me, I always thought like, oh, I'm, I can't be an entrepreneur. I can't make my own business. And it's funny because looking back, I'm the daughter of two entrepreneurs. My dad had his own law firm and my mom had her own speech pathology practice, but I never got that message growing up of like, you should just make your own company. It was always, you'll go to college and get a job. And, <laughs> you know, right. so, you know, I think it's funny, our, our upbringing sort of shape, like you were saying, you wanted a job you wanted to make your own money. And I sort of had that drive when I graduated college. I was like, I want to be independent, mostly because I knew if I was taking financially for my parents, they would have a say in my life. And I was like, nope, yeah. <laughs> I want to be able to oh, call I my, know. Own, my own shots. So, so yeah, I mean, I think that that is so huge. And then, you know, for me, I, I did it and it worked for a long time. I also worked in New York and had the PR job and like, it, it was like, oh, I'm living like sex in the city fun. And I was in my twenties and you know, <laughs> that, that worked for me then. And it worked for me until it didn't. And I'm from Atlanta and I moved home and just realizing the nine to five didn't really fit my lifestyle. And then, you know, things like Zoom and technology made it easier to work from home. And yet I was working at places that weren't really embracing that, which is funny now because everybody's had to embrace that. And then really, that was when I really shifted and realized I can be an entrepreneur and I can build my own business. And even though my first business really didn't have much to do with the intuitive side of things, I mean, it still does, right? Because everything's connected. And, and it's funny what you're saying about pushing money away. I feel like I've been so detached from my PR business that opportunity keeps coming up, 
which is great. And I'm grateful for it, but my focus is on blissful budget, but I think I do the same thing sometimes where I scare myself out of clients or I scare myself out of the money on that side. Cause I know the PR business has been churning for a few years now and I know money's going to come there. And with blissful budget, it's so much me, like it's so much of, of me and myself that it feel it's so personal. <laughs> And then I tell myself the story sometimes of like, well, this is so personal. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be making money off of it, which is just so right. silly, you know? Right. But we tell ourselves that story sometimes of like, well, maybe it's wrong to make money here. And I think a lot of healers and, and people in the intuitive space, they think like, oh, well, I shouldn't be making money off of this. It's not soulful to make money off of things like this. And I don't know. I'm not spiritual if I want money. And I, I mean, that's, that's ridiculous because again, we're all human. We all have bills to pay. We all have to deal with money in some way. Why not? We're offering a service and we're offering something that someone wants. And I mean, a lawyer would never question charging for their services. So, you know, why are, why are we? <laughs> Yeah. It's so funny too, because I've been in that same place that my goal has been to do work that I love so much that I would do for free all day. And that's what I think other people do. And then they feel like they are then supposed to give it away for free or exactly what you're saying that, well, my vibration is going to change if I charge for it, or if I want to truly be a healer. And I think you probably know better than anybody and can share with people the energetics behind the money and the exchange that happens of you're doing something that you find valuable and therefore you're going to attract people that find the value in it. Yeah, definitely. I I think money is, is this energetic exchange and with anything is an energetic exchange. And, and again, going back to that example of, of a a lawyer would never say, Oh, I'm going to, well, I mean, sometimes they do pro bono work, but (laughs) most of the time, but it's a piece of their business. And that's what I tell people too. If you have a part of you that wants to give and give freely, then that's an opportunity to have a scholarship or one day a month, you have a free day where people can pop in. There's ways to make that happen while still charging what you should be charging. Exactly. And I think there's that balance, but if we give and give and give and don't get anything in return, we're going to end up depleted, financially depleted, energetically depleted, you know, with anything. And, and I love that you said that it is, yes, it's a balance and you can charge and also have opportunities for people with lower incomes. You can have a sliding scale. You can have a day where you give free coaching. You can create these these containers and, and these price points and offerings at different price points. So people can kind of meet you where they are. And I think that's something we don't think about a whole lot when we're starting out our business side of things, because you can also get really caught in the, well, I need to make this much money to pay my bills. Then that might be the case where you do work another job so you can build your business up as you're paying the bills with something else. And that way you're not feeling as like graspy and your business and your soul's work, you know? 
because I definitely felt that as well, which is also why I still do PR. It's like PR right now pays the bills and I'm building up blissful budget to hopefully, you know, get there one day. But I, I took six months off of PR work and was just focusing on blissful budget. And I found myself slipping into that place of real graspiness of like, I have to sign this many clients and I have to get this offer off the ground and I have to do all these things. And it was driven by the outcome of, of a dollar amount instead of mm. driven by me serving and me doing this work that really, that really um, fills me up. And so taking on PR work again has really balanced it out where I know the bills are going to be taken care of and now I can focus more on the service. <laughs> and yes, there's a dollar amount and a goal, but I'm not as attached to it. That is such beautiful advice for people who are building a side hustle or working in this transition state that so many people come into and feeling so much pressure and so much of that desperation energy that you're talking about of this business that really is birthing of themselves that they're putting out into this world to, to be of service. And then the energetics of it does change. And I completely have experienced that where it's like, I feel like I have to hustle. I feel like I have to sell. And if that speaks to you and that feels good to you, and that's coming from an integral part of who you are, I'm so happy and, and grateful that people are able to connect with that. And if it doesn't, which it truly doesn't for many people, I think there's a difference of it's, again, if it's a story that you tell yourself that, well, I'm not a salesperson or I'm not a hustler, but if the truth in that, then I think that's a beautiful idea is to continue to grow other revenue streams so that you can have that purity of intention with this soul-based business and then still be able to support yourself. I, I think even within your, your business, is looking at what other revenue streams can there be? Can Is there something that can create some passive income to whether that's a course or a bundle or sort of looking at those other areas that maybe you don't have to trade your time for, but that can create some of that revenue. I think, you know, that's something that we don't always consider when we're first starting out, but can be really helpful. And then can also sort of invite people in further into your business. Oh, definitely. So in addition to the awareness piece that I guess only comes with the mindfulness and the time and the ability to sit with it, what are some other ways that you can offer the audience to disconnect, to decondition from those money stories? Yeah, I, I do a meditation with a lot of my clients. I call it the bliss list meditation, but it really sort of takes you on this sensory journey through where you are your happiest, who you were happiest with, what you were doing, really to sort of dive into what, what does bring you real happiness, putting the shoulds aside. You know, we have mm -hmm. so many shoulds of what we think should make us happy but really getting clear on what really brings me happiness. What do I really enjoy doing? And not for a living even, just like day to day, where am I my happiest? And then beginning to look at, kind of compare that to, well, where am I spending money? Am I spending money on these things? Or am I spending money on things that 
are more of the shoulds because I really do feel like when we take a look at the numbers and align that with what's actually bringing us joy, I think once we get those two things more in alignment, then we start to feel better about our money also. Because I think for a lot of us, we are spending money on things that are more the shoulds, you know, whether that's going out to eat a lot and that's not really something you enjoy, but your friends do. So you feel like, you know, you're being pressured to do that. Maybe not so much now in this climate that we're in, but you know, or spending money on clothes and things that you feel like you should have to even where you're residing, is that making you happy? You know, really looking at at those two things and bringing them into more alignment, I think can help. And then the other thing that I really like to do with my clients is, is have them write out what their money story is currently. And then going through some of these exercises like the bliss list and, and things like that, rewriting that story. And even if you don't hundred percent believe it yet, writing your more positive money story and kind of flipping the script on yourself on if your money story is I'm, I'm really bad with money and I'm irresponsible. And I have this long history of, of not handling money. Well, all right, well, let's actually physically write down a new money story of I'm really great with money. And I've been so great at managing my money and my money supports my highest and best. And, you know, writing out and on paper where you can see it, that new story, I think is really powerful. And then reading it enough that it becomes ingrained and starts to become your, your truth is very helpful. It's like financial affirmations. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, I love that. You call it the bliss list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. To me, it sounds like this values based approach mm-hmm. to financial awareness, the same way you would say, okay, these are my family values or my core values and match it up with how you're spending your time. Mm -hmm. That's so brilliant to be able to do that with your money so that, well, this is what I say I want. I say I want to have a life with fun or with service or with integrity or whatever it is that you're valuing. And am I spending my money in accordance with that? Because I think what you're saying is absolutely correct. We sometimes just get swept up in the wave, whether it be scheduling a vacation because the calendar says it's vacation time. And so you just book something to go or it's the keeping up with the Joneses. And I really have felt a big shift personally in the past few years fighting against that materialism. And it's challenging when you live you know, in community and with friends and family and school and start to realize that maybe you have a different value on your money and on your time, what you want to spend your time doing, what you want to spend your time talking about and what, what kind of support is there for people that are trying to break away? Because what you're really saying is you have to find your own authentic relationship with money. And that's a struggle when you live in a very materialistic driven world. Mm -hmm. It definitely is. And I think, you know, finding that tribe, that group or your village, whatever you want to call it, finding those people 
who are more aligned with your values. And it can be hard when you've been in a community for so long and it's not saying like, stop hanging out with those people, you know, it, but it's really find other people who, who are sort of living the way you want to live. And, you know, cause I think with anything, what comes to mind is like, if you stop drinking, you know, and it's so ingrained in our culture in America of like alcohol is a part of society and a part of going out and doing things. And, and so when you decide to stop, it really is, okay, who, who is going to help support me in this? And so I think it's very similar with money, you know, and then the other thing I think it's communicating, especially with those closest around you or asking to do other things. Like if you're in a group and they place a lot of emphasis on eating out all the time or going places that cost money, maybe it's suggesting like, hey, let's go hang out in a park or let's go, let's do this other activity or let's go hiking and be out in nature. And, you know, I think finding those people who, who can really support you. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be overtly supporting, but just those people who are more aligned with, with how you want to live. And, and it is hard, I think, you know, especially for family members and maybe close friends who have experienced you in this way for so long, and then you start changing, you'll probably feel some resistance from them or feel feel misunderstood or like they don't understand because, because they're not there yet, you know? And so I I think also being, being patient with them (laughs) too, and just sort of living your, your truth and your life. And then, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll come around or at least, at least be more supportive. I think sometimes, especially family members can sort of be like, what you're, you're downsizing or you're getting rid of stuff or, or you don't want to go on this extravagant vacation. What's wrong with you? You know, (laughs) Right. Well, and the pressure can be so tremendous. And I think that this feeling of FOMO, I know everybody has a different level that they get hit with that by, but I think that that is a real phenomenon of feeling like if I don't do this thing, then I'm not going to have the friends and I'm not going to be included. And before you know it, you've lived the better part of your life for somebody else, following somebody else's dreams on somebody else's path. And so it is this constant, for me, a constant checking in, a constant remembering, a constant process of coming back to myself and saying, is this what is true for me? Is this what I want to do? Is this how I want to be spending my time, my energy, my money? And even if it does sometimes feel lonely, which a hundred percent, honestly, it does sometimes feel lonely. I would say in the past few years, I definitely have had a shift of, of feeling more alone in many ways. And yet there's all this new beauty and new opportunity and new connection that does come in to fill it. And in many ways, even elevates you personally, spiritually to so much of a higher level. And I think once people get it, they get it, but that rockiness that that roller coaster until you get to the other side until you j- jump off the cliff so to speak mm-hmm. is is definitely the hardest place for me 
Yeah, it definitely is. And it can feel lonely for a while. But, you know, I think when you do start living more your own truth, and this is with everything, not just money, you do find those people that that resonate with you. You can call it, you know, that vibrate on your level, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, you find those people who, who are more you're more in kinship with sort of like, like this community we're in now, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I felt really lonely because I was sort of in that place of like, I, I'm not really fitting into the corporate world and, and with these people that I'm working with, but I just ha- didn't feel like I'd found my people yet. And then I did mm. through, through yoga and through exploring my intuitive side and, and, now I feel like I have a really strong group of people. So it does feel lonely for a while for a lot of us, but there is, there is light, (laughs) you know? Yeah, there definitely, when, when searching for the light, light certainly comes to you, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This has been so beautiful, so incredible, so expansive. I know so many people listening are going to have their truth tingles, just a light, a buzz, and also their eyes open to their financial stories that maybe they just believed were true and didn't even ever associate with the story because they've just told it to themselves so many times. So thank you so much for coming on. I would love for you to just share your handles, how people can work with you. Thank you. I've loved chatting with you today. My Instagram handle is budget blissful because somebody took my other name. (laughs) (laughs) So it's budget blissful on Instagram. And then my website, you can find me either at blissfulbudget.com or rachelpv.com. P-E-A-V-Y.com. I work with folks one-on-one. I'm kind of on hiatus till June, but in June, I'll start doing one-on-one work again. So I'll, I do a few different packages. Currently, I do uh, a 90-minute intensive session where I also do like a financial tarot card reading as part of that. Ooh, oh my God. We didn't even uh, talk about that. I, okay, that's for, uh, that's for episode two. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so that's part of it. And then if you want to dive deeper, I do a 90 day program and I'm probably going to be launching a a shorter program as well. I also have two money bundles you can buy. In the meantime, one is really more diving into the practical side of things. If you're just getting started with budgeting. And then I have another one that's more focused on your money stories, which includes that meditation that I was talking about. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I can't wait to check all that out. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I've loved chatting with you today. Me too. Thank you all so much for listening to the Open to Alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse at open.to.alchemy. That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.